So, boys, Jonah, you want to give a little intro? Are we going to just talk about... Um... Yep, so basically, we've picked out... We've each picked out one player and one team that we've either been, like, focused on or interested in throughout the week, and we're just going to hit on those teams. And um, I guess we might as well start with Dallas. I mean, it's 9 a.m., so it would seem appropriate. And I think the place we've <laughs> got to start is with that classic game on Saturday. Oh, ye, dude. Yes, let's yeah, that go. That would get that game was is... a battle, bro. Huh? That was a battle. Did you watch it? I thought you weren't about I to watch that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the highlights. Oh, baby. But yeah, I, was so, I was so depressed I mean, after that game, though. But I mean, you know what? It doesn't really matter. Hey. And, but you know what actually made me from what I could see, bro. Curry was just untouchable, bro. He's the best player. Like the, the threes he was making, like he was literally like stumbling, like about to fall on the ground and then pull up right out of that. I don't know how you make that. Did you see he yeah, so the game range, dude? To me, the biggest takeaway was just how good both these offenses were and how both teams were sort of getting it done in very different ways. They both finished with offensive ratings of 127 like this was a very close game. And like, as Jeff Van Gundy um, kept pointing out as the game was going on, the defense might've been suboptimal, but the biggest story here was just the duel between Luka Doncic and Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry was incredible in the first half, seven of 10, three point shooting. And he continued that throughout the entire game. The Warriors as a collective, like throwing Andrew Wiggins and Kent Bazemore in this as well, just an incredible shooting performance. They, yeah, I saw Kent B- Bazemore balled out, dude. Yeah, and he does every they, night. They turned, <laughs> they turned the ball over quite a bit, and they weren't offensive rebounding at all, which is what makes their um, efficient offensive night so impressive. They were just shooting the absolute lights out of the gym. The Mavericks, they had a more well-rounded offensive performance, which is what you would maybe expect to get out of a Luka Doncic-led team. But it was really Steph Curry's night in the first half, and it was only in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter, where Luka Doncic just would not be outdueled. I mean, Curry, he still finished with, what was it, 52 points? Uh, 50, like, seven, no. right? Yeah, it was, like, 57. 57, yeah. On 11 of 18 from beyond the arc, 19 of 30 total, got to the line eight times. Yeah, both teams were shooting a ton of three-pointers. Both teams were shooting very efficiently. I think both above 40%. So just an incredible offensive night. And And yeah, just very exciting to watch two of the game's best point guards just go at each other like that. Yeah, and Draymond had like, 15 assists in the first game, and I don't know how many got in the second game, but absolute distributor, dude. He's so yeah, yeah. It but, was a it was a great Draymond Green game too. You sure he's been a huge help. So I want to talk about him when we get to the Warriors. But Shannon, you wanted to talk about the Mavericks today, and they finally broke that long losing streak on Saturday. They're now 10 and 14, which I think that's 14th in the Western Conference as of right now. They have a negative 2.6 point differential, which is the 22nd best in the NBA. They have the league's 13th offense, the 27th defense, 
538's Raptor gives them a 47% chance at making the playoffs, and 538's Elon rating gives them a 17% chance at making the playoffs. So what do you think about Dallas? Jeez, bro. I just like I just want to talk like what's going on? Like I think that we expected them to kind of be the team they were against the Warriors where they're just like offensive monsters and like mm-hmm. but I mean they did take some step backs they dealt Seth so I mean and I think there was someone else but I think we expected them to kind of regress a little bit offensively but like with adding Jay Rich and like I don't know I guess we thought the defense would be a little better than 27th I oh, mean they're still sure. like I don't know but like obviously this isn't what we expected from Dallas we all had them in the playoffs like mm-hmm. not even like at the bottom of the bracket like I don't know. They're just down bad right now, I guess. Yeah, and to be fair, they have missed a bunch of games due to COVID yeah. or like Chris Dops coming back from that um, knee injury. Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba. Those guys have all missed large slots. I look, he don't like Chris Dops. No, I don't, Chris I don't like his game. slings three balls. It's crazy. Dude, that's all he wants to do, though. <laughs> like, you're yeah, like 7-5. And he just like... Anthony Tolliver. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like he literally just like top of the key every time. Let me get the ball and let me just shoot it every single time. Seven five, tallest guy in the court. Let me just shoot this three. It's annoying. Yeah, and I think teams. Um, and I noticed the Warriors doing this a ton, especially they were kind of pressed into this with Draymond at center. But teams can switch that Luka Doncic, um, that Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis pick and roll because. With a guy like Kristaps, you're not really worried about him bullying smaller players. He's been um, terribly inefficient in the post throughout his entire career, and that yeah. certainly has not changed um, this season so far. And so, yeah, if he's not able to like punish smaller players or hit the three with any consistency, and I do think I do think we'll start to see him hit more of the threes just as he kind of works his way back into the yeah. rhythm of his game. But yeah, the the Mavericks' offense, like you were saying, Shannon, it it's not the Mavericks offense of last year. That's for sure. Yeah. He needs to like develop like a short corner fadeaway or something. Like, Cause imagine like, imagine a shot like that. Who's going to guard that if he fades and like the low or like the mid post and stuff like that, who's guarding that. You just got to get a hand up. There's nothing you can do. It's like a Kevin Durant situation. He just wants to shoot threes at the top of the key. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, uh, Tim Hardaway and Jalen Brunson. They're kind of bucket sometimes too. They're dangerous. If you from beyond the arc too, I mean, they were sinking three balls in the two games that they played. Yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. specifically, I think he's thirty eight percent. Jalen Brunson, he his three point shooting, as you were saying, has been all right. I'm a little disappointed in his point guard play. I actually thought he was one of the better backup point guards in the NBA last year. And this season, that hasn't really been the case so far. The Mavericks' offense has been very bad in the minutes when Luka Doncic has been off the floor, and it's just been Jalen Brunson, which is surprising. And again, they've missed a lot of key pieces throughout the course of the year. And I also think we kind of underestimated how important Seth Curry was to the Mavericks' offense. I think they really miss him a lot. And Josh Richardson should get better. And I think the reason they brought him in was – of course, because of the playoffs, they just really had nobody to slow down like a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard last year. So adding that, um, adding one more perimeter defender was a big priority for them during the offseason. And that's probably not something we're going to see pay dividends until they make the playoffs and have to go up 
against one of those players just because you can really win a lot of games just by maximizing offense in the regular season. But yeah, so far that trade is not looking good for Dallas. And that's only kind of accented by how unwell Seth Curry's playing for the Sixers, of course. Yeah. Um, not so much throughout the past several weeks after he's contracted COVID, but he really got off to a hot start in Philadelphia. Yeah. All I know is Luca, when he's hot, that man doesn't miss. It doesn't matter how far away he is from the basket, dude. It's insane. Every time he shot against the Warriors, I was just like, oh, shit. And most of the time he made it. So, Yeah, and that really hadn't been um, something that was going well for Luca in the early part of the season. Like one of the bigger storylines for the Mavericks throughout the first month of the season was just how bad Luka Doncic's three-pointer was. He started off the season something like 26%, and I think now he's finally getting up into the 29, 30, 31% Mm -hmm. range um, from three. But it is true. He really needs that um, three-pointer working in order to beat defenses because other than that, like he's an incredibly shifty, smart player, so he can get past guys otherwise. But um, when teams can sort of like give him a buffer those change of pace moves become so much less effective and so he really needs that step back three as a counter just so teams are forced to play him closer so then he can really take advantage of the strength of his game which is sort of his shiftiness and ball handling that allows him to get inside against defenses and so yeah that step back three it's never something that i think is going to be extremely efficient for him like i don't think he's going to get to like Harden, Lillard, Curry levels of shooting. I, that would be very surprising to me. But he does need to make it like at least 30% of the time just so defenses have to respect it. And that's certainly what he did against the uh, Warriors on Saturday. He really had that shot working. I think he finished 7 of 12 from beyond the arc. And like you were saying, Colin, a lot of those were like deep, um, high-difficulty attempts. So that was a good thing to see from Luka. Yeah, for sure. But the Mavericks, Mavericks are going to be good. I mean, if they put up that much, I mean, there wasn't really the the Warriors just got hell out rebounded. They, what was it? The second game, it was mm-hmm. around fifteen to six offensive rebounds. Like, yeah. They, so, yeah. Once the war, and if the one, yeah, I don't know. That's that's what happens when you're not really playing with a traditional center. We'll talk more about that later, but that yeah. could be a problem for them going forward. Could be. I think it's going to be a massive problem, especially if Steph doesn't drop 40 or 50. Yeah. Shannon, do you have any last Mavericks thoughts? I'm just not feeling them right now, dude. Yeah. They're not? They gotta, no, they got to put something together, bro. I'm not <laughs> feeling you, them right now. Would you still have them in your playoffs if you had to reevaluate that today? Based on how they're playing right now, I have them like in the freaking tournament, bro. In the playing. Play in action, dude. Like the Spurs look better than them, but mm. yeah. And I mean, that's how like I brought this up at the beginning, like the five thirty eight models, which have been somewhat um, predictive over the past few years. Both of those models give them less than a fifty percent shot at the playoffs, and so yeah, it's it's a it's little bit in Dallas. I I think things are going to get better once I I want to see them play for at least a month with um their full strength. Um, yeah before I make any um, judgments that are too harsh. But yeah, the early results have not been promising out of North Texas. So 
It's so funny watching Mark Cuban whenever Steph goes off. He's just like, dude, can you catch a break here? <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we um why don't we go over to their counterparts from that game, the Golden State Warriors, who the Warriors are now 12 and 11, but have a negative 0.8 point differential, which is 15th in the league. So there has been a little <laughs> bit of luck playing into that record. They have been good in close games so far. They've got the league's 19th best offense and the 14th best defense. They're two or they're one and two since our podcast last week. And I know um, the untrained eye at home may be thinking, oh, but Jonah, I thought they went three and oh. And no, that's not the case. They just um, talked and celebrated so much after the one win that it felt like three wins. But <laughs> nope, still one and two this week. The Raptor gives them a 25% shot at the playoffs. Elo gives them a 31% chance of making the playoffs. And they're currently tied for eighth in the West. Janet or Kellen, why don't you lead us off here? All right, let's do this. So the Warriors killing it. All right, no big man. That is just slap in the face. No Kevon Looney. Jonah dropped some absolute knowledge no, in the chat. No, Kellen, I actually am going to push back on that a little bit. I think the lack of big men has been something that's actually really helped them the past few games. Okay, They've but been, you're just I- a Wiseman hater, though, guy. Wise it would help so much. Just having a presence there. No, hear me out. Just having a presence. Oh, just have a presence down low. That allows for Lee and Bazemore to get rebounds. Okay. <laughs> no, I I don't think that's the case. But Why we'll not? talk about either. Because because Wiseman can't rebound, bro. I mean, he got nine. I in his one of his last times out. Nine, bro. Seven. That's nine getting more nine rebounds, rebounds we, bro. We couldn't. We could. We could use nine rebounds last time against the Mavericks. Bro, I think someone else got those nine, bro. Nine's not hard to divvy out. I'm just well, saying, dude. But okay, rebound, Draymond, Draymond I just looked. I just looked at the all of playing good basketball too. So there are a lot of other categories that have gone up. Mm-hmm. But Draymond, I just looked it up. He has, he had 30 total assists in the two games against the Mavericks. Fire. Yeah. So when he's playing, what do you call that? Like a point center or something, or taking mm-hmm. the ball up the court or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But but yeah, he is an absolute distributor. Distributor, but it just killed us not having a big man over the last two games. But our shooting was insane. But it was led by obviously Steph and Kelly freaking Ubre. Okay, so but like so, let's say you have James Wiseman at center. Hmm? Then what about those fifteen Draymond assists? What if you only get eight of those? Like that kills you more than nine more rebounds. Yeah, eight assists is sixteen points at least. It would help to have Pascal. I feel. Like, but I don't know. I mean, it, everything just rides or dies on Steph anyway. Cause I don't know. It just, it, 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 it kind of, it low key does. No, I, I don't think that's, I just don't think who that's, else that's, Wiggins is only scoring like, tw- like 18 points. A just, game. Well, Steph dropped 57. I, I really think that as good as Steph's been, like, I think you kind of need Draymond to unlock him. And that's sort of, what we've yeah. seen. Throughout. I have a question. Yeah. It, I, cause I was rewatching something cause I was going back and making timestamps. Jonah, he got, I saw it boiling inside of him when I said, I'd rather have Kelly Uber than JJ Redick. It was so funny watching Jonah back. He's like, really? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> cause you said JJ would unlock this offense, but I'm just saying, I feel like JJ would be a liability because we, as it is, we don't have a ton of guys that can guard some perimeter, like 
long guards and stuff. And Kelly does that. Plus he gets boards and he's so long and he's turning it up from beyond the arc and he's pretty explosive. It's also destroyed the culture in Golden State. What's up? He's also single-handedly destroyed the culture in Golden State. Sure, but um, I also think the defense, that hasn't necessarily been the problem for the Warriors. I mean, their offense has been the thing that's been like below average. So I just think sacrificing one of your wing defenders for a guy who really is going to kind of work in a similar way as Stephen Curry, obviously nowhere near as good, but um, like, yeah, just having another guy who can knock down shots. You've got Kink Bazemore, you've got Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. like especially Bazemore, that he can fill a very similar role to um, Kelly Oubre. Even a guy like Damian Lee, like if you guys traded Oubre, like Lee, he's not that much worse than Kelly Oubre. I mean, Oubre, Oubre, his on-ball defense against guards, that's been very good for the Warriors this year. But I, don't, I really don't think he's that unreplaceable. And I just think having another weapon on offense with the Warriors offense struggling the way it has been, especially earlier in the season, the past few games, especially Stephen Curry, he's been on fire of late. So the offense has been looking a little better. But I just think having another weapon, so like you were saying, it just doesn't all fall on the shoulders of how good is Stephen Curry shooting on that particular night. I just think having sort of that plugged into your system would be a big help. Yeah. But just this little sampling of warrior statistics, like I said before, they have an offensive rating of 110.8, which is below average with Curry on the floor that goes up to 114.5, which is obviously a lot better with Curry and Draymond green, 117.1. So it really has been Draymond green who, um, has kind of unlocked Curry. Obviously, the Warriors need Stephen Curry on the floor to have a competent offense, but it really was the first. Um, it really was when Draymond Green came back into the game after, like, recall the first five games of the season, the Warriors were awful, and those were the five games that Draymond Green missed. And it really was only the uh, following games that the Warriors finally started to find footing, especially on offense. And so I really think um, so much of what the Warriors do is just predicated on players who can keep the ball moving, make yeah. quick decisions and have a high basketball IQ. And without Clay Thompson, without Andre Iguodala, without Kevin Durant, without Sean Livingston, without so many of the guys um, who we remember from the like prime years of the Golden State Warriors, there just aren't too many of those really smart, intelligent players on the team anymore. And so just having a guy like Draymond Green who keeps the ball moving usually makes the right decision on offense. Sure, his turnovers are way up this year, but that's also just a product of how often he's played with the ball in his hands and how um, much of the playmaking responsibility has been placed on him. But just having a guy like that is so important to this offense because Stephen Curry, for as wonderful as he is, he's not a guy like Damian Lillard where you can just put the ball in his hands, run 50 pick and rolls and automatically have a good offense. Like that's just not his game. And that's totally fine. That probably makes Stephen Curry a better player at a championship level. When you do have like really good teammates on your team, he probably plays better with other star players than Damian Lillard is, but he, he's not this guy where you can just put him on like the league's worst offense in a, turn them into a top 10 offense he's Mm -hmm. not like Damian Lillard in that respect where he can have like that profound of an impact on every play no matter who his teammates are yeah but I'm just saying you put Looney or Wiseman in there for Juan Toscano Anderson 
No, I, Kellen, I don't think that's the case because when you look at their, why a, we can't play defense, we gave both games. Uh, Dallas had 70 points at halftime. Okay, sure. But here, um, in the 831 possessions where James Wiseman's been the center, the Warriors have been outscored by their opponents by 10.4 points per 100 possessions. Pascal in. <laughs> in, in, in the 277 minutes. Um, when Draymond Green's been the center, the Warriors are outscoring opponents by 17.2 points for 100 possessions. For those of you keeping score at home, that's a difference of 27 points for 100 <laughs> possessions. Like when you when you take James Wiseman out of the game and put um, Draymond Green at center, and I all concede this: the defense is two points for 100 possessions worth with Draymond at the five, but the offense is 21 points per 100 possessions better like i the um and i hate to say this but like james wiseman getting hurt over the past like week that's probably helped the warriors and so mean (laughs) and i'm not i'm not saying like bench james wise well i mean steve kerr did bench james wiseman but i'm not saying like take him out of the rotation like because he's he's a he's a rookie and so he's like the future of the franchise in a sense, whether that means like he's going to be the Warriors best player in 10 years or whether he's going to be um, like the main piece in a trade for another superstar within the next 12 months. Like that's hard to say, but the Warriors do need to invest minutes and invest time into developing him. And sure, that's probably going to hurt the quality of the team this year, but um, you're not just going to take the second overall pick of the draft and not give him any minutes. But yeah, he has been harmful when he's been on the floor. And Draymond Green, when Draymond's been on the floor, I said they had a net rating of 17.2. If you extrapolated that, that would be the best team in the league. So when Draymond Green has been the center, the Warriors have been the best team in the NBA. And so I really think that we are championship championship basketball. And that's one of the reasons why I was so glad when you picked the Warriors out as the team you wanted to talk about this week is these past few games for Golden State have been so instructive to me as a viewer. And I'm sure they have been for Steve Kerr, too. Like there were so many people and I'll be the first to admit it, myself included, who were kind of questioning Draymond heading into the season, wondering if he was maybe a little bit past his sell-by date and no that's not that hasn't been the case like sure he doesn't bring it night after night like he maybe did in 2015 but he's shown when he when he throws his fastball and when he's really invested he he's still got it like there are nights when (laughs) yeah there are nights when he is like their most important player and i think the stats definitely reflect that yeah, and sometimes he feels himself a little too much. I'm like, no, Draymond, you just threw it out of bounds. You just wasted a possession. It's Cannon, a- do you want to talk a little bit about the Warriors' center situation? Well, I mean, we already know the deal with James Wiseman. God, haters, dude, it's so annoying. It's not looking good for him, bro. I definitely agree that Draymond's a better option at center if you want to have a, have a competent offense. Or Kevon Looney. Yeah, or Kevon Looney. Yeah. yeah, James James Wiseman's a bad player. He needs some time. Um, I think he'd maybe better off like just uh, kind of putting them in their back pocket and letting him work out with trainers for a while until he's ready to see the court again. He's such yeah. he's so and, not a bad player, Jonah. It's <laughs> well, just, Kellen, this this year he is. Did and you that's, not see it? He freaking took off from the free throw line and like 
he had two of those like, identical slams in his last time. I forget what game that was. And that's that's even, not to say that like, dude, that's kind of nice, but he still sucks. <laughs> that's that's not to say yeah. that he's that's not to say that he's never going to turn into a good player. I mean, I would say I was I was pretty high on James Wiseman. I had him in my top five entering the draft. I don't know if I could really say that about him anymore, but there he still certainly has time to develop into one of the best centers in the NBA. And so well, not maybe not one of the best centers, but he can still be a very quality player. When you just look at his physical attributes, his athleticism, his size, like I re- I really am not foreclosing on the possibility of James Wiseman being an above average NBA center. I just think like maybe some of the high end upsides, like usually even with a guy like Rudy Gobert, who didn't um, see the floor much in his rookie year, he was a really late first round pick. You could still see some of the defensive instincts, some of the shot blocking, like, Usually with stuff like that, usually with the top tier defensive centers, you can see some of it right away. So the fact that we can't see any sort of defensive chops at all out of James Wiseman. Oh my that, God. That just sort Offensively of takes, is good. That sort of takes some of the highest end outcomes off the table. Like remember, I was saying before the draft that he had like the tools to become one of the best defensive centers in the NBA. I don't really see that coming true for him anymore. Um, but the certainly the physical tools will always be there for him and like no matter what i mean he should have a career as a starting center in the nba but to say to say he's actually going to contribute to winning basketball this season i just don't think i don't think that can happen Mm. jonah who do you think's mvp front runner right now oh i i I haven't thought about it so far probably joel Embiid. probably yeah joel Embiid. lebron james i think is going to have yeah, that's my top two. Um, we'll have to do a podcast on that sometime because that's been interesting. But you already know my uh, any any more Draymond Green thoughts or James Wiseman or Kevon Looney for that matter? Any Warriors thoughts? No, we're just gonna be a pain in the rear for whoever we play. We're gonna sweep the Spurs. The Spurs games are gonna be fun. Yeah. Are you playing them coming up? Uh, twice, yeah. Well, Tonight first- and. Either first tonight, game is tonight. Game. Huh? Yeah, first game against the Spurs tonight. And also notable because that's the game that uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue are doing for the NBA cast. So it should be yeah. a oh, fun, fun also, to watch. We should do a podcast because the Warriors get another. I think, is it Friday? We get another crack at the Nets. So that'll be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think that's right. Wiseman could be back. That'll be a tough one. But that might not even be a big di- difference, though, huh? Well, it will it be won't a even matter if Wiseman. Wiseman might still <laughs> it will be a difference. Yeah, it's good. To, it's going to be a difference, I would guess. But <laughs> <laughs> When do they play? Or is it Saturday? Oh, they play him Saturday. Nets at Warriors. So Steve's just going to call up James V. Be like, you can just stay at your apartment today, James. It's okay. Oh, KD doesn't even get to play, does he? Does he really? So, oh, yeah. He's know. still going to be out with the COVID absence, huh? Yeah. Does he have it? Or was it no, like tracing? No. Uh, tracing. That's that's one of the things where I really don't understand with the NBA testing system. I understand like having to treat everybody equally and like having to appear to be extra cautious. But really, Kevin Durant, he'd already had COVID. So the chances of him contracting it again are minimal. 
and he tested negatively three times in 24 hours yeah in 24 hours on the day of the Raptors game like I what are we doing here guys if we're testing guys what's the what's the point of testing guys if they can get a negative test three consecutive times and still not play like I that didn't make very much sense to me and then the poem halfway through the game bro that was yeah I I can understand Kevin Durant's frustration with that one um are we yeah. 100% sure you can't contract COVID twice? Oh, you you can contract it yeah, twice. That's a, but, I, but I mean, the odds of that are very small at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just... It's possible, but yeah. very unlikely. Especially even more unlikely that you have it when you've tested negative three times in 24 <laughs> hours. Like, I just... I, the chances of them having it are just ridiculously small. But I understand that they have to be very cautious, especially from just maintaining appearances. And so... They probably made the right call. I would, if if Kevin Durant um, in the next like five or six days tests positive for COVID for the second time, I will certainly eat crow. And so I think we might as well head northeast from San Francisco and hit on my team of the week, which is the Sacramento Kings, seven and eight, set, or have won seven of their past eight games, I should say. They're now 12 yeah. and 11 with a negative 4.4 point differential. So they have certainly had a lot of luck. They've played very well in close games. A lot of that has been with the lineups that Luke Walton has gone to in the fourth quarter. We'll talk about that later. They've got the league's ninth best offense, the worst defense in the NBA. Raptor (laughs) currently gives them a 17% chance at the playoffs. Elo gives them a 26% chance at the playoffs. Didn't they just beat the Clips? Yeah, they beat the Clippers yesterday without Paul George. And they're currently tied with the Warriors for eighth place in the Western Conference. So, Damn, how does that feel, Kellen? Wait, what did you just say? That the Kings and Warriors are the two teams tied at 12 and 11 for the eighth seed in the Western Conference right now. The Warriors are going to jump. We're going to jump, that's for sure. Where where are the Blazers at? (laughs) Uh, The Blazers are at seventh. They're the seventh seed? Yeah. We're better than the Blazers, dude. If the Warriors' point differential is any indication, <laughs> they will be jumping downwards because teams usually regress to their point differential. Um, but Hasn't they, our point differential we'll decreased, though, since the last time we've talked about it? The, I, their point We're getting closer to zero, worse. right? Yeah, closer to zero, but still below zero. And so <laughs> when, you're, when, when your point differential is below zero and your record is above 500 that generally means that there's been some manifestation of luck, whether that's just playing really well in close games or um, that's not luck. Something along I was playing really well in close games. Luck. Why? That because is that's, luck. that's generally something what? that tends to balance out over the course of the season. Yeah. I don't, like, I mean, from what I've been seeing, our offense is fine. Like, I don't see how that's luck. Then I don't know the offense. Isn't can you say it's luck for everybody then? Yeah, because there's been yeah. a lot of research done on this. It's one of those things where, like, there have been very few teams throughout NBA history that have actually been better in close games. Like, usually close games are one of those things where it's just it luck that life out of you. who wins the game. Like, there's no like it's one of the it's like if you get blown out eight times and you win eight games by one point. Like you don't have the quality of a 500 team, even though your record's 500. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's I guess. kind of the 
that's kind of the case here. Um, yeah. We're going to hey, be all right. We're, we we're a week out from CJ McCollum's reevaluation. Oh, yeah. And, and about a month out of Nurkic's now. Should be three weeks, right? Three, three weeks. weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So getting closer all the time. Um, speaking of day day. laser centers, Hassan Whiteside, the Renaissance has been going on <laughs> for the Kings. Um, he got he got pulled out of the game yesterday against the Clippers in favor of Chemezi Metu. But that game against Saturday, Jokic dropped 50 on the Sacramento Kings in a losing effort. And Hassan Whiteside was really the Nuggets' only option in terms of slowing him down. Granted, Jokic did give Whiteside um, a couple of buckets as well. But um, Whiteside certainly held up better to the Jokic crucible than Rashawn Holmes, than Marvin Bagley. And um, he's just in general been a very suitable backup center throughout this year, which I think is something that would have surprised some people in the offseason. It sort of felt as if Whiteside's career might be heading into the twilight. Recall he only signed for a minimum after withering on the vine for the first week of free agency. It certainly did not, the optics did not appear to be too good for Whiteside, but he's been playing very well in Sacramento. So you love to see that. In the Warriors. Love to see it. What, Colin? Never mind. It's fine. Did you say should the Warriors have gotten him? <laughs> yeah, because we have no centers, dude. Marquise Chris. We need to see. Yeah. Like I said, Zaza needs a suit up. Yeah, I did. This is a dumb. The Warriors, I don't think they have an open roster spot, do they? No, we have to cut someone in order to get a new center if we were to. We'd have to cut Smiley Itch or something. Oh, yeah, you would hate to see that happen. <laughs> 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 I don't think he's played. Is he just on a two-way and just shows up to games or what? Yeah, he's he's heading on the same plane as Nico down to Florida. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, back back to the Kings. This they've been the, to me. They, they've been this year's version of the Memphis Grizzlies because they've got the good point guard, the good young point guard. So for Memphis, that was John Morant, and good for Sacramento, player. it's De'Aaron Fox. And it's just good, goes, dude. Yeah, and it just goes to show when you surround young players who are really good with that, like that, with um veteran talent and guys who are very good at their role, like you get that baseline level of competency. And Harrison Barnes, he's been having a very solid year. Rashawn Holmes remains one of the most underrated centers in the league. I really applauded the Kings during their offseason, not only for drafting Tyrese Halliburton with the 12th pick, which now that just looks like an absolute steal. But also for getting players like Glenn Robinson the third and Hassan Whiteside on minimum contracts. And those guys have both been very good bench players for them. Um, Corey Joseph, he hasn't been incredible for them this season. But Kyle Guy, they finally gave Kyle Guy some minutes last night against the Clippers, and he looked pretty good. Um, I'm going to have to focus in on his game probably a little bit more closely. He's not the best defender, but... He's a smart player. He gets out in transition. He can make good passes. He's definitely a shooter. So maybe he can be something for him. He was drafted in the 2019 class, but he spent so much time at Virginia. I think he's already 22 or 23. So he's not he's not young for a second-year player, but um, he certainly looks like he might be a guy who can give them a little bit in terms of just shooting on the wing, especially in transition. Like when it's him and Halliburton on the floor together, the Kings are really pushing the ball, which has been part of one of the reasons 
that those bench units have been so successful for them. Yeah, dude. I'd love to see the Kings make the playoffs. That'd be <clears> dope. That would be wild. Yeah, and it worked out. Um, the three teams we picked, um, really focusing on that sort of race for the bottom of the Western Conference playoffs yeah. this year. I think right now the only teams you'd be able to say are a lock are like the Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, and Nuggets. And after that, there are four spots, and it's like pretty wide open. You might be able to say the King or the Suns and the Blazers might have an edge up on the rest of the competition, but um, it's so close though. Very close right now. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this season turns out because really the Thunder and the Timberwolves are the only two teams you can point to as teams who are going to miss the playoffs. So there are nine teams fighting for four spots and it's just going to be very intriguing. We've still got two thirds of the season to go. So a lot of time for teams to sort of um, separate themselves, even make trades kind of bolster up their roster, but nobody is running away and hiding with those playoff spots in the West. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. For sure. Really quick. Speaking of why guys I can shoot. Yeah. What made you randomly text me about Justinian Jessup? And then you just ghosted me after that. You said Justinian Jessup looks like you'd be a good player. (laughs) Then I was like, did you, did he have a good game or something? uh, Yeah. I was watching some of his film with the uh, Illawari Warhawks, which that was the team LaMelo played for last year. And that is the team that Justinian Jessup is currently on. And he's been, he's playing good. Like he's dominating the Australian leagues. He's, Got a very well-rounded game, which was not something that I could say lefty? I I expected from him. Yeah, he shoots the ball really well. He's getting double teamed by these Australian guys. So he's not having the easiest of looks, but his step back looks very nice. Just his shooting form on spot-ups, he doesn't get too many of those, but his form looks amazing. I think he's going to be a player um, when he comes back to um, the Bay. And he said he does model his game after Duncan Robinson. Obviously (laughs) it's very, it's very easy to say you want to play like Duncan Robinson. Very few people can shoot as well as Duncan Robinson does. And so that may be wishful thinking, but if he can just come in and like shoot 38% and move a little bit off the ball, like that's someone who the Warriors could really use this year, Mm -hmm. especially like I was saying, JJ Redick would unlock the offense (laughs) a little bit more. And like the, I do think that they could use that added shooter, especially if you're playing Draymond at center. Like mm. Kelly Oubre, he's not a very good shooter. Wiggins actually has been having a very solid year from beyond the arc, but he's really not a guy who moves a lot without the ball. And defenses still don't respect him as a shooter. So he's not really a guy who's going to be bending the defense and wrecking havoc like a um, Redick or a Duncan Robinson would. And so although the... Um, production from Wiggins has been nice. He really doesn't fill that role as a shooter yet. Maybe if he keeps this up for a sustained amount of time, um, opponents will start adjusting their game plan to sort of focusing on him more off the ball. That has yet to be the case. So mm-hmm. I think a guy like Jessup and Jessup, he's got some size too. He's six four, has like broad shoulders. It looks like he's got a a frame of like an NBA shooting guard. I think he's going to really? be. 
And it's hard to tell too, because he's, he's going to be coming back next year. So it's hard to know, like with Clay mm-hmm. Thompson back, the Warriors presumably are going to be even better next year. You would hope like it's hard to tell, like um, how the rotation is going to shake out, whether there will be time yeah. playing time for a guy like Jessup. Um, but I mean, it's a good problem to have. Like the signs have been encouraging. I, for a late second round pick, it looks like the Warriors did very well with him. Yes, sir. The you know, really fast. The ESPN has the, their power rankings: Lakers at one, Jazz at two, Clippers at three, Sixers at four, and Bucks at five. Would you agree? I mean, that's not those are the that's not like the exact order, but I think those teams are fine. Yeah, I do, but I would not. No, that's put the their Jazz power at two rankings. if I was putting them in order. What's up? Yeah, from I with Chan, if I were ranking, I'd probably have the Jazz at like four or five. Yeah, I'd have them at five. Yeah, yeah. Just off the top of my head, I think I'd go Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Nets, Jazz. That would be my top five. I know. Oh that. yeah, actually, the Nets weren't even in there, bro. I'm taking. Oh yeah, Nets are Nets. Yeah, are no, six. that'd be mine. I agree with Jonah. I agree with Jonah. If Suns at seven. What are the are the Suns thirteen and ten right now or thirteen nine. and nine? Thirteen and nine. Yeah, they've been they've been playing better. They got a big win against the Celtics yesterday. So yeah. I mean, they've kind of had an up and down season. They Spurs the at ten. Got off. Who's at ten? Spurs. Oh yeah, I, I that's wild. No, <laughs> I I have a hard time getting that excited about San Antonio. Dang, Bruh. that's crazy. Ten in the league, bro. Blazers yeah. twelve, Warriors thirteen. Oh baby, let's go mid pack. Yes, sir. <laughs> Dude, okay. Speaking of the Blazers, let's talk about Nasir Little. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I know it was a, we were losing by thirty in the game where he you know had his little breakout performance. However, he looked legit, bro. He looked so comfortable in the paint, navigating the paint, getting to the rack, shooting the step back three, the pull up three, the catch and shoot three. He looked so comfortable and so ready to do it. Like I was just like shocked like i remember we've seen ant score 30 like there was that game like a couple years back against the kings i remember it was the last game of the season he went crazy but even like anthony simons and gary trent they don't gary trent a little bit but they don't look as comfortable like in the paint and stuff like gary goes to that that uh like that short mid-range shot where like the super high arcing shot he goes to that a lot and he's comfortable getting that. But going to the rack, he still looks super timid. Mm-hmm. Same with Anthony. Like, he'll just kind of throw it up, and it goes in sometimes, but it's not really consistent. Like, so, or Nasir was going strong and, like, finishing yeah. like a legit player would. And, like, I was so, so, so impressed with that, dude. And it sucks that he got injured, but I think that he could actually contribute, like, a lot. Yeah, especially um, the Blazers' um, defense on the wing. Obviously, Robert Covington is a wonderful help defender, but he's not necessarily one of the league's better one-on-one defenders. So having an yeah. athletic, physical guy like Nazir yeah. Little, like that would be super helpful. And um, the like, what is he shooting now? Sixty-seven percent from three. Is it that oh. high? It's something crazy. Like it's something that's unsustainable. Like he's yeah. not going to be a forty percent three-point shooter, but this he looks comfortable enough taking them, and the form looks really good. Yeah. So. I think there's like a reason to believe that like he has sort of turned the corner because last year when he was getting starts for the Blazers, um, or called like before Carmelo Anthony was signed by Portland, Nazir yeah. was able to start a few games. 
and the shooting form just did not look good at all. Like that, no, not at that's all. Clear, that's clearly something that he's worked on since then. Yeah. And so I really do think like he's turning into a guy who um, can definitely get some playing time. I mean, it's hard to tell the rotation is just, just so crowded, especially with like Derek Jones, Rodney hood and Carmelo Anthony. Like if you were thinking like he might crack into the rotation, it's probably going to be at the expense of mellow, at least when the Blazers are fully healthy. And it's kind of hard to see that happen. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that the team would do, which probably isn't a good thing, but um I'm very like I I'm right there with you. Like Nazir has been super encouraging. Yeah, bro. I think when he's called on, I think he can get it done, which is super important. Bro, he's Especially only twenty. People are always getting hurt for us, so yeah. And Did you draft uh, him last year? one of the things. What? Do you draft him last year? Yeah. Nice. Was he a first rounder? Was he like? What was he a first rounder? Yeah, he was like the 24th pick. Nice. Right? Yeah. 24th or 25th. And one of the things that you kind of see with the young guys in terms of their development, usually they start out like, especially with the wings, just shooting like those corner threes. And then later add on like attacking closeouts and doing more stuff off the dribble. And we're kind of seeing that with Nazir. Like it used to be he'd catch it in the corner. And if he had a straight line drive, he'd go and kind of slash it and dunk it. And if not, he would throw up a three that usually wouldn't go in. But he's adding a little bit more variance. Like you were saying, he looks a lot more comfortable putting the ball on the floor. Obviously, this is a very small sample as well. He's played. Yeah, right. He's played basically like the Bucks game was really the only game where he played more than like 25 minutes. And he's only made appearances in seven of the Blazers uh, 22 games. So he, the, he, we haven't seen very much of him. So this is basically just extrapolating out of the Mil- Milwaukee game. But he is putting the ball down on the floor. He's even like operating a little bit in the pick and roll. He went through a few screens and looked pretty good doing that. And so, yeah, he just looks like his game is so much more um, diverse on offense than it was in his rookie year, where really like the best thing he did was offensive rebounding, slashing to the basket, just sort of taking advantage of his strength and athleticism to just create advantages on the interior. And no, it looks like he's added a lot more skill to his game. And he looks like he's really taken advantage of the off season. It's hard to know, like actually how much time he had to work on his game because he went straight from that dehydration fiasco in (laughs) the bubble to contracting COVID during the early parts of the Blazers training camp. So I guess yeah. somewhere between the dehydration and the COVID, he really got a chance to work on his offensive game. But <laughs> I, I can't. And then it's cruel, um, cruel fate that his one breakout game in Milwaukee was the game where he happened to sprain his knee. Like I would have yeah. loved to see him in that Philadelphia game where, um, oh yeah, all the young guys were getting a lot of run. But Nazir, he should be back soon. He's questionable for the game on Tuesday against the magic. And so, yeah, I just can't wait to see him come back, see how he builds off that breakout game, because it does seem like there's a lot of stuff he was doing in that Milwaukee game. A lot of the stuff we saw from him would be very useful on this full strength Blazer team. And so it's okay. just very encouraging signs. It's going to be cool to see how he um, builds off that in more competitive settings. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So are you guys going to get um, CJ back maybe next week or is his re-examination 
next week and then you yeah i'm not that hopeful that he'll necessarily be back but at least have more information i'm more i'm more hopeful about um yusuf nurkic being back after his uh six weeks or at least close to it because i feel like his situation was a little more like predictable that's true yeah especially and also like a hand injury versus like a foot injury yeah those are usually a lot easier for guys to come back from Especially like Nurkic, it won't really um, affect too much of what he does. You right? Like I think he could like tape and stuff if that if he needs to. Like, Push yeah. the pain, Nurkic. Yeah. Just Although with CJ McCollum out, it has been very exciting to see um, the continued ascent of Gary Trent Jr., who has just yeah, been wonderful. <laughs> I've got yeah, the bro. Gary Trent Jr. I had to represent him on the pod today, but let's um, go. But yeah, he's just been very fun to watch. He was he was not very good um, against the Knicks, but then again, very few Blazer players were. That that was kind of a scheduled loss. The six the sixth game of a six game road trip, ten a.m. Yeah. in the morning. Like that's that's just a hard one to get ready for. Um, I can't really blame the guys for not really coming out um, strong in that one, and so I. Uh, I'm excited to see on Monday or on Tuesday. Sorry, because it's Blazers. They're they're looking a lot better lately. I mean, yeah. yeah, they've won. They went three and three on that road trip. They've won four out of their last nine games. When you consider all the injuries they've been competing against, like that's that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, I'll take it, dude. Yeah. When when all those guys went down, I was just hoping we could stay afloat, and we've done that. Yeah. So. Yeah. If. I was hoping that, like, by the time McCollum and Nurkic got back, like, we'd be within, like, two or three games of the eight seed. But, no, like, the Blazers, they were still – we're still right up there. We're still t- yeah. um, a game above 500. And so. Yeah, dude, if, if when we get those guys back, we're still in a playoff spot, I'm really happy with that position. Yeah, absolutely. Gary freaking Trent. What a bad boy. <laughs> Here, um, just for fun this is kind of putting you guys on the spot but before we finish the podcast as sort of the last segment do you guys want to like do the top do our western conference playoff predictions redone like list what we think the top eight teams will be at the end of the season like the yeah let's do it okay i'll i'll go first because i've actually kind of thought about it number one and number two and number three I've still got the same as I did at the beginning of the season. That's Lakers, Clippers, Jazz. Um, number four, I've got to put the Nuggets up there. Um, I have them at five at the beginning of the season. At number five, I'm going to go with the uh, Suns, who I had at seven to start the year. Six, I've got to go with Portland because the Trailblazers, they're right up there already, and they're going to get um, the two of the three most important players of the roster back soon, you would think. And so I think there's a lot to be encouraged about with Portland at seven. I've got Dallas here. I had them at six at the beginning of the year, so they've kind of fallen, but um, I'm still not panicking or anything about the Mavs. And then eight, I've still got the Warriors at eight. I still think the Warriors can make the playoffs. Let's go. I'm going to go. Hey, I, my my one seed's still not out of question. We still got one more <laughs> for King. I'm, wait, you can only lose one more? Yeah. 
Yeah, we can only lose one more until I have to start rethinking about reevaluating <laughs> our position. Reevaluating. Okay, so I'm gonna go Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, and I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm actually gonna take the Suns at four. Oh, okay. Nuggets five. Blazers six. Um. I'm gonna put. Did you say Suns? Uh, yeah, I said Suns four. I'm gonna oh, take. Yeah. Um, damn, that's just a little. <sighs> it's so hard. Their teams are all so close. I'm gonna take Mavs seven, Spurs eight. <gasps> <gasps> hey, right, I can so... see it though because the Spurs are kind of nice. It's gonna so be a can... grind. Yeah, this is actually that's a good point. This is gonna these are important games. This yeah, week, big time. The Spurs and the Warriors. Like this is good. These are gonna be pivotal games, and mm-hmm. that's gonna race for the eighth seed. Big time. No, I, I could. It could easily be the Warriors. I just wanted to. Yeah, I know. I, I can see <laughs> you, me, and Chan. We basically had the same. Just swapped the uh, Suns and the Nuggets, and then replaced the Spurs with the Warriors. So and those know, things like, can so easily be either way. Yeah. Yeah. Tell How many more games have. we have? Have they not like set the second half of the schedule or something? No, but I mean, there are going to be 72 games this season. So we're basically a little bit under a third of the way through. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. I don't know these, but yeah, these next games are really important. How many times do you think that the Warriors will play the Blazers during the second half of the season? Because those games are so much fun. We play them. That's our last game of the first half. Yeah, I'm going to guess zero just because the Warriors and the Blazers are going to have played three times in the first half. Mm -hmm. Is that about max? Uh, No, in a regular regular season, I think teams could play four times. Oh, yeah. Just because it's a shortened season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because usually um, during an 82 game thing, wouldn't the Blazers come down to the Warriors for two games or something and or the Warriors go up to the Blazers for a couple games? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Dang. Let's go. But I I definitely think that if the Warriors make the playoffs, I think they're probably going to squeak in the 8 seed, most likely. But who knows? Maybe they'll, <laughs> maybe they'll get a 7th. <laughs> that would be wild. I'm just scared because we legitimately cannot beat any of the teams that you name that are like in the top five. Like when we straight up play them just for one game, there's not like if we, if I see us lined up against the Jazz or the Nuggets or something, I'm just like, yeah, probably not going to win that game. I mean, you guys beat both of the Los Angeles teams. Yeah, but we came back by, we were down 20. That's true. And the uh, let their foot off the, the Lakers and Clippers bit. have not been renowned for their consistent. Oh, both of those games we came season. back from over 20 points against yeah. the Los Angeles teams. Yeah. So So who's your one seed right now, Colin? I think probably gonna go Lakers, yeah. Yeah. Number two. Number two? Yeah. Break. Uh probably Clippers? Number three. Jazz? Yeah. Number four. Mm. 
Do I go? I mean, do I go Suns? CP3 is kind of nice. Yeah, I think is that what he, is that how Channon had it for? Yeah, that's who Channon had. Hmm. What other? It's probably it's probably the Suns or Denver. Okay, but I'll put Denver at five then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't write off Portland either. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. Or or Dallas. I think if Dallas really comes back with their healthier roster. But yeah, I think Denver is probably the one that makes the most sense. For fun, we could go Portland five, and then Denver six, and then um, Mavs seven. Callan, uh, I, I would I would be careful. Those those Den- those Denver fans are are on edge right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know you got you got a couple Nuggets fans fired up last time. Suns versus Blazers first round would be a tough matchup, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I would be afraid of the Suns in the playoffs, honestly. CP3 is so yeah. good. I was watching the Mavericks game. Did you guys watch that yeah. game? <laughs> and yeah. he went off. Yeah. He single-handedly brought him back. He yeah. saw so many guys. He had the mid-ranger on fire that game. He kept singling out a Chris Dops Porzingis on the pick and roll yeah. and then just abusing him. And then D-Book took that, a bad shot and sunk it. That Devin Booker game winner was incredible, too. I, dude, so dumb. He only had, I think, he just went off in the fourth quarter. He had like twelve points that entire game, and then he just went off. Yeah. Oh, Devin, is he? Wait, who's Devin Booker? Wasn't didn't he have a thing with uh, Kylie Jenner? Shannon, I don't think so. I think didn't she like? Of- didn't he like comment on one of her posts or something? I think. Like, are you thinking like, of Kendall Jenner? Kendall. Yeah, more likely Kendall. Kendall, Kendall, Kendall usually Kendall, prefers Kendall. the NBA players. Yeah. Kylie prefers rappers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Travis. <laughs> yeah. Trav, Tyga. Fire. Well, beating the Spurs tonight by 40, baby. Let's go. Steph is going to increase his average. He's going to have 30. Po- he was at 27 points per game or something. Now it's going to, he's at 29 point something. Now he's going to get up yeah. to 30. That's MVP caliber. Well, best, if, best player if, on the best team. The Steph, if the Warriors, if the Warriors can sort of pick up the pace a little bit, Steph is going to be right in there in the MVP yeah. conversation. Shannon does he's, a thing. So. He's had an incredible year. <laughs> At, well, right, I just don't. I just don't think they'll pick up the pace enough to no, do that. Yeah. But if they were like, yeah, I would be scared What's of him sort of falling into the trap that Damian Lillard was in last year, where he's just having an incredible season on a team that barely makes the playoffs like those guys don't usually get looks for mvp but yeah if the warriors can get like the, the fourth or fifth seed which um you know maybe that could happen then i think then i think there could be some real real stephen curry buzz yeah MVP. i mean you look at the top two candidates right now are both like in the top of their conference so. yeah yeah it's mm, tough whatever it's fine all right Good job, boys. Jonah, so proud right. of you. What's what's that one stat thing that you come that you find that's super accurate with predicting playoff things? What's it called? Oh, um, I'll send you the link to it after. It's just on 538's website. What's the Warriors' chances of making the playoffs? Uh the Warriors right now, there are two models. There's Raptor and Elo, and Raptor is more to do with just basing their predictions off the quality of the players on your team. And the Elon rating is based off like your performance up to this point in the season. And so 
Raptor gives the Warriors a 25% chance of making the playoffs, and Elon gives the Warriors a 31% chance of making the playoffs. Oh, those aren't good odds. Yeah, I mean, the bottom <laughs> of the the bottom of the West is so crowded right now. It's just kind of tough to gauge. Here, I'll, I'll go onto that website and I'll read you guys like um, because it's not even because oh, what are the Grizzlies at? And what about the Pelicans? Uh, are they pretty much out of question? No, the no, Grizzlies and Pelicans. No, those those two teams are still um, in the hunt, right in it. So I'll just I'll just read you guys the Western the Conference playoff odds. Lakers over ninety nine percent chance. Clippers over ninety nine percent chance. Jazz over a ninety nine percent chance. The Nuggets have a ninety six percent chance. The Suns have an eighty nine percent chance. The Mavericks are at forty eight. The Trailblazers are at sixty. The Pelicans are at forty. Spurs are at fifty six. Rockets at forty five. Warriors at twenty five. Grizzlies at nineteen. Kings at eighteen. Thunder at three. And then Timberwolves have less than a one percent chance. The Rockets have a better chance at making the playoffs than the Warriors, according to Raptor. The according hell is Raptor to Elon. Doing? According to Elon, the Dude, Warriors what? are at. According to Elon, the Rockets are at 74% and the oh, Warriors are at 30%. Bucket. And so Victor, I guess maybe <laughs> I guess 538 just they don't they don't believe in what the Warriors have been doing this season, wow. I guess. I don't either. We've made that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boys. Jonah, what is your shirt though? Like I'm confused. It says, better get off the court if you can't hang with the dog. That's sick. And it's the like, dog. And it's like the dog was, is Gary Trent. Yeah, that when is he was dope. when he was taking pictures on the airplane, he had like the vape sweats. <laughs> that so. is so sick. <laughs> that was so funny. I forgot about that. That's oh, dope. So funny. All right, boys. This will so later. We'll, we'll see if the magic can hang with the dog on Tuesday. I'm gonna guess no. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Later.